Can I preach? Listen, just, just turn around and just grab your Bibles. Just grab your Bibles. Listen, let me just say, I don't know that this is really a Mother's Day message. Don't sit down. Just grab your Bibles. Some of you like just turn around. I'm sitting down now. I don't know that this is a Mother's Day message as much as it is a continuation of last week's message, Connecting Moments. We're in this series, Moments, where we're looking at these divine moments in Scripture that changed the trajectory, the life of those who were impacted by this divine moment with God and how our lives have been impacted by that same divine moment. Last week, we looked at connecting moments where, were it not for Ananias, Saul would have never become Paul. And had Paul, had Saul never become Paul, there were 13 books in the New Testament that we would not have. Had Saul never become Paul, Ryan, there were 20 plus churches that ultimately planted thousands of churches that probably today would not exist. Had Saul not become Paul because of the divine connection between Ananias and Saul. If Saul had never become Paul, we would not have his grace is more than sufficient in my time of need. Had Saul never become Paul, we would not have greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Had Saul never become Paul, we wouldn't have those breakthrough verses like my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory. It is those divine connections in our lives that ultimately not only change us, but change those who are around us. So take your Bibles and turn together to Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 and following as we stay in that theme. Go ahead and look at your neighbor and announce to them the subject matter of our conversation, chasing the right word. Look at your other neighbor and, and kind of jog in place and say, chasing the right word. I want your spirits to be open to the word that God has for you today. I want you to absorb this word because God has a word for every last one of us. And for many of us, it is a very specific and timely word because you're living by the wrong word. You're chasing the wrong word, a word of gossip, a, 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 a negative word, a word that has controlled the direction of your life. Therefore, it has controlled the outcome of your life. You are replaying and rehearsing that word. But today, God wants to replace that word. It is his word that he wants to play inside of you. It is his word that will regenerate you. It is his word that will renew you. It is his word that will restore you. It is his word that will reinvigorate you. Have I said enough re-words? Why? Because his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It is his word that is life-changing and life-altering. I want to preach, but I need to teach for a moment. The Bible talks about a very specific component of God's word that we need to adhere to today. You see, the word of God is categorized or defined in two ways, two Greek words. One is logos, which is the written word of God. Logos is the written word of God. Everybody say the Bible. But then there is also this word of God called the rhema word of God. The rhema word of God is the very specific word of God that the Holy Spirit places within your spirit. Sometimes God will use the written word, the logos, as a general direction for your life, but then he'll also use the logos as a very specific word in your life. He'll place the rhema in your heart so that your work or the work of God will come through your hands. It's a rhema word. Now, let me explain that a little bit 
deeper. You see, sometimes you may be in a difficult situation and you will read like Romans chapter 8, verse 37, or some other verse that speaks to your spirit, a, a word that says something like, you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. And, and it may not make a whole lot of sense to you right then, but you find yourself in a hellacious situation a little bit later on, and all of a sudden you'll remember the word that you read in the Logos, Romans chapter 8, verse 37, and you'll recall it and you'll begin to tell yourself, I am victorious. I am more than a conqueror. You'll begin to speak that rhema word over your life. Or maybe all of a sudden you'll remember that you heard a word like, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. And it may not make a whole lot of sense then, but later the Logos word becomes a rhema word because you find yourself in lack and you may not have what you need, but you realize who has everything that you need. And you begin to chase that rhema word. You begin to run after that rhema word. It begins to control the outcome of your life and it becomes a Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6 kind of word. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not upon your own understanding but in all of your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. He'll cause that rhema word to cause you to walk into deliverance, to cause you to walk into restoration, to cause you to walk into healing. How many of you are ready to chase a rhema word? How many of you are ready to follow after the rhema word of God let's read the narrative of scripture Matthew chapter 9 just a few verses Matthew chapter 9 says this ask Jesus everybody say Jesus hold on a second Jesus the Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us in the form of Jesus Jesus is the word everybody say the word Here's Jesus who went on from there and he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. And he says to him, follow me. Everybody say, follow me. He told him and Matthew got up and he followed him. That is the word of God connecting with Matthew. Here is Jesus Christ colliding with Matthew's life. And because of it, the trajectory of Matthew's life is forever altered. And now we have the gospel of Matthew as a result of it. But then verses 10 through 11, watch what happens. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and they ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Here is an opposite word that the Pharisees are trying to impose upon a certain group of people. Here is Jesus giving a word, follow me. Here is the Pharisees giving a word, you're this group that we don't like, that we want to get rid of, that we wish that God would extinguish. Here's two opposing thoughts. But look at the answer of Jesus. Jesus says this, on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But then he says, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Mm. Skip with me over to verse 27 for the sake of time. Follow me upstairs. Verse 27 says this. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him. Everyone say followed him. Calling out, have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, do you believe that I am able to do this? And yes, Lord, they replied. Verse 29, then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. 
and their sight was restored. I don't know who this is for, but you need to grab hold of this. The destination of restoration was not realized without following or chasing after the right word. Did you grab that? Their sight was not restored until after they had followed after or chased after the right word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us in the form of Jesus. Hmm. You see, the destination of restoration in your life, I don't know who this is for, is not realized without you following or chasing after the right word. Just be seated, be seated. Let me continue in this vein of conversation so that you understand every nuance and the ramifications of this narrative, at least both historically and theologically, as well as connecting it to our theme of chasing the right word, because this particular experience happens very early in the life and ministry of Christ, if you will. He's going along and he's trying to choose those people who will help him, those would-be disciples who will help him influence the world and carry the message of the gospel to the further, furthest most parts of, of the world. And he's choosing a, a group of cohorts that are unlikely. In fact, here he is choosing Matthew, this tax collector. The Bible says that he walks by the tax booth or the tax office and he looks at Matthew and he says, follow me. And Matthew leaves what he's doing and begins to follow Jesus. The problem with that is none of the people, none of the Jewish people like tax collectors. They thought they were extortionists. They thought that they were ripping people off. They thought they were traitors. The reason for that is because tax collectors were Jewish themselves, but they were they were employed by the Roman government, and the Roman government was telling them to extort taxes from the Jewish people to send them back to Rome. The problem with that is they're extorting taxes from their very own people, but then on top of that, they're adding an additional tax and skimming off the top in order to be rich. So no one likes the tax collector. No one likes him at all. In fact, the, the animosity and the hatred runs deep, and they call him names. But here is Jesus calling out to them, saying, come and follow me, calling out to Matthew, come and follow me. You have two groups of people here. Grab this. Two groups of people. You have a group of people who can see everything that is happening, but yet ignore the Messiah. Then you have another group of people who can't see anything, but certainly can hear his voice. And then you have Matthew in the middle of all of this, this disliked, would-be, training, disciple, who's conveying to us the message. Here you have this group of people who can see everything, but they're ignoring God's word. But then you have a group of people who can't see anything, but they're living by what they hear. <laughs> Hold on a second. That is, that is the representation of our faith. You see, the problem with many of us is we never receive breakthrough in our lives because we're hanging out in verse 11. Verse 11, the Pharisees were like, why, Jesus? Why is Jesus eating with these, or with these tax collectors and these sinners? We hang out there. Maybe that's not our question, like, why is Jesus hanging out with 
the tax collectors and the, and the sinners. But, but we do ask the question, why? Like, why does Jesus do what he does? Why doesn't Jesus do the things that I want him to do? Why is Jesus so slow about meeting my need? Why does God let bad things happen to, to good people? And because of that, we're living based upon what we see rather than what we've heard in our spirits. And when we live based upon what we see rather than what we've heard, we miss exactly where God is trying to take us to because we're more concerned about what's happening on the outside rather than the word that God has placed on the inside. I need you to grab hold of this because some of you have been listening to another word. You need to see this is the representation, the physical representation of our faith. Here you have a group of people who cannot follow because of what they see. Then you have another group of people who all they want is more because of what they've heard. Wow. Why? Because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence not seen. Faith is not based upon what we see, it's based upon what we hear. And hearing by the word of God. Is it okay if this is a little different today? If this message is a little different? We're going to shout and preach some together in a few minutes, but I, I really need to unpack this passage because I think it's right where many of us are living it's right where our faith is at. You see, because some of us, we've received a word from God, and that word from God that we've received has become a very distant memory based upon what we see. Some of us, we're living in a situation in our lives that we know that we love God, but we don't feel like God is in our situation. Sometimes our faith is like the Pharisees, and sometimes our faith is like the blind dudes. <laughs> But the truth to the matter is many of us never receive the breakthrough of verse 29 because we're living in verse 11. We never receive the breakthrough of verse 29 because we're living in the questions of verse 11. We never receive the breakthrough of, and, and because of your faith, let it be done. That's what Jesus says in verse 29. He says, and because of your faith, or according to your faith, he says, let it be done. Look at your neighbor and say, let it be done. Here's what I love about that passage of Scripture, or that verse, Paul, is that Jesus does not say, according to my ability, let it be done. He says, but according to your faith, let it be done. Therefore, the limitations in our lives have everything to do with the word that we're chasing after. According to your faith, let it be done done it's the divine connections if you will that sometimes we we miss here is matthew following after jesus because jesus said follow me here are the blind dudes following after jesus even though no one prompted them to follow here is matthew recording the message and were it not for all of these divine connecting moments we would not even have the history of this recorded for us to enjoy today so i begin to think about the divine moments in our lives and how could I illustrate this? How could you understand what God is trying to say to us through this complex narrative of Scripture? How could I bring it home? How, how could I make it more relevant so that you could see yourself in the text, in the narrative? And then I remembered something that happened about a year and a half ago. Me and another individual from, from this town had a an appointment that we had engaged with with the Dave Ramsey group in Nashville, Tennessee, because we had an idea that we wanted to pitch to these guys. It took us a while to get this appointment. 
So we knew that it was a very important appointment to be at because it took us so long to get this appointment. We also knew that there was not another appointment for several months after this. So we got on a plane right here in Fayetteville one early morning, and we were going to fly back late that same night. It was a one-day trip. It was a turnaround. And so we get on the plane here to go to fly to Atlanta because we had a connecting flight in Atlanta, and we were going to fly from Atlanta to Nashville to meet with the Dave Ramsey group to pitch them this idea. However, when we got to the Fayetteville airport, go figure, our plane was late because of a medical issue we sat on the runway for quite some time we ended up leaving and flying to Atlanta when we got to Atlanta we had missed our connecting flight the terminal the plane was beginning to pull away from the terminal and I told the lady who was working the ticket counter I said we've got to be on that plane you you got to put us on that plane she said you can't get on that plane I can put you on the next plane listen it's not our fault we have an appointment in Nashville and that appointment is in two and a half hours from now she said well the next flight going out of here is four and a half hours from now I said you don't understand we've got to be on that flight or we're going to miss our our appointment she said well you can't get on that flight I said call the the pilot and ask him if we can get on the flight she said, all he's going to do is say no. I said, well, all he can do is say no. Call him. She picks up the phone. <sighs> she says, I've got two guys who missed the plane because of such and such and such and such, and they want to get on the plane. Okay. She hung up. She said, he said you can get on the plane. <laughs> the point to my story is, had we missed that connecting flight, we would have missed that appointment. And the idea that we pitched to the Dave Ramsey group was to bring Financial Peace University not to a church, but to a city. Therefore, today, because of that idea, they came back to the city of Fable and they met with 75 to 100 churches that today in our city are going through Financial Peace University in hopes to restore their finances, the church's finances, and hopefully a city's finances. I tell you that story for this because had we missed that connecting flight, that divine moment that is happening right now in so many churches across our city might not be happening. So I began to think about that event. I began to think about this story and then I thought, man, that's the way our faith is. We miss those connecting opportunities. We miss those divine opportunities, maybe because of the misery in our lives. We're so miserable with this situation that we miss this opportunity. Or maybe it's because of our meistic nature. It's all about me. Because it's all about me, I, I miss this opportunity. Or, or maybe it's because of our unwillingness. We're just unwilling to get involved in that opportunity, that divine moment. Or here's one, maybe it's because the work that God is doing inside of us doesn't look the way we would prefer for it to look. I mean, it's like the Pharisees, they're standing outside of, of Matthew's house and they're saying, I saw Jesus. I saw him, he went over to the tax booth and he called out Matthew and now he's all up in Matthew's house with all those people that I don't even like. Can you believe that? Just talking to one another, just can't believe it. I just can't believe that he's up in that house with all of those people. I don't know what kind of accent that is, but I mean, some. I just can't. You see, they were, they were set back because they, they felt inconvenienced by the methodology of Christ. They didn't like the methodology of Christ. 
And so look what Jesus says in verses 12 and 13. In verse 12, he kind of gives them an answer. In verse 12, he says, hold on a second. Isn't it the sick who needs a doctor, not the healthy? But then he says this in verse 13. Put verse 13 up. He says to them, he gives them a homework assignment. Look what he says. He says, but go and learn what this means. That I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Hmm. For I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Hold on a second. He gave them some theological material to work on. He says, you know a whole lot about sacrifice. You know a whole lot about coming to church and checking the box. But you don't know one single thing about mercy. Lord have mercy. Mercy. Here is Jesus saying, you don't understand that you know a lot about this and a lot about that, but you don't know one single thing about the heart of, of God. And, and the answer is quite simple. You see, because what he's saying in the answer is they're, they're asking the question, why is he hanging out with the tax collectors and the sinners? But the answer is very easy for Jesus because Jesus is saying, I am a friend to sinners. In fact, the Bible says that God demonstrated his love while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Aren't you glad that when you were broken, Jesus called you by name and said, Matthew. He called you by name and said, Mark. He called you by name and said, Sarah. He called you by name and said, Tiffany. He called you by name in the midst of your brokenness. Aren't you glad that God doesn't just call the faves on his God phone, his iPhone? Aren't you glad he doesn't just hit his favorites and call upon them because they have everything together? The Bible says he doesn't chase after everybody who's got things together, but he chases the broken. Isn't it the sick who needs a doctor after all? Why? Because I came to seek and to save those who were lost. He chases after those who find themselves in a desperate situation. Why? Because they realize their inherent need for God. But here you have the Pharisees who are inconvenienced by the methodology of Christ and you have the people inside of the house who are not inconvenienced by it at all. Why? Because they're on the receiving end of the word of God. And they're hanging on to every word that is proceeding out of his mouth. Why? Because they have found themselves in a desperate situation and they realize that it is only his word that will make a difference in their lives. You see, right now in this message, this is the place that generally people when I'm perusing the crowd, might look at their watch, begin to think about lunch because their stomach is growling. You're beginning to think about where you're going to eat lunch. You're thinking about what time it is and what you're going to do this afternoon. Your stomach's growling. You're hoping the person next to you doesn't hear it. But if you've ever found yourself in a desperate situation, and you have ever experienced the grace and the mercy of God, you would not be thinking about KFC, but you would be thinking about his mercy. And you would be saying to yourself, God, continue to speak your rhema word because I'm in a situation that I know I can only use you. You're the only one who can help me. You're the only one who can cause me to break through. God, just keep giving me your word because I'm going to hang upon every word that comes out of the mouth of God because it is your way that seems to make a way when there is no way. It is your way. It is your way. Listen, let me tell you something. God will show up in strength.
strange ways. He showed up in the form of a burning bush speaking to Moses. He showed up and saved a nation through a teenage boy with a slingshot by the name of David. He showed up and fed Elijah with birds in the midst of a famine. What I am trying to say is stop telling God how to show up in your life. Stop telling God how to bless you. Stop telling God how to do his job. Stop telling God that you're going to do something when he does something. Stop looking for that worship song that you like before you lift up your hands. Stop waiting on God to meet your needs and go ahead and bless him because he's already met your needs. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Come on. The only way that I can tap into the needs and the blessings of God, the only way is through my willingness to chase after the right word. So according to your faith, let it be done. Look at your neighbor and say, let it be done. Mm. I feel like preaching. So here you have Jesus in verses 12 and 13, who's basically saying, I'm going to do things in, in ways that maybe don't make sense to you guys. Here you have this group of people, the Pharisees, who can see everything that is happening around them, but they ignore the very word that will change their lives forever. And then here you have this group of people who cannot see, but are hanging upon every word that they hear. Look at verses 27 and 28 again. Let me show you something. Verses 27, it says, as Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him. Calling out, have mercy on us. Jesus had just taught the Pharisees, listen, you know about sacrifice, but you don't know anything about mercy. Here, David, here, is, here is Matthew following along, recording this event. Man, he's like, what in the world's happening? Man, I was just at the tax collector's booth. None of these people like me. He's trying to stay low key. He's writing down what's happening. It says, they were calling out to him, have mercy upon us, son of David. And when he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, he asked them, do you believe that I am able to do this? And Yes, Lord, they replied. Yes, Lord. Listen, I, I, then he touched their eyes and he said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. Hold on a second. This blows me away because there's a conundrum here. Here you have this group of people who are ignoring the word based upon what they see. And there, then you have this group of people who have this divine moment with God based upon what they hear. I don't know about you, but I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you hear something, but you can't see it. I don't know if you've ever been in a place where, where you are believing for something, but what you're believing for, you cannot see. I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you're crying out to God and you're like, God, I need the revenue in my business to increase. But the only thing that is increasing in your business are the expenses. I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you're crying out to God on behalf of your kids. But the more that you cry out and the more that you pray, the worse the situation gets. I don't know if you've ever been there. But here are these two blind dudes who can hear the word of God. And all they want to do is get more of what they've heard and here are these people who are the pharisees who supposedly know the word of god but are ignoring the word based upon what they see mm. 
hold on a second. I, 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 need, I, need, two, I need two volunteers, two, two men, two, two male volunteers. I need two. I need two. All right, come one right here. One right here. Paul, come on, come on, come on. Right here, right here, right here. I needed two men because it said it was two blind men. And all the ladies in here are like, yeah, I know my man's blind, you know. So how you doing, man? You doing all right? Good to see you, man. You look great in that bow tie, man. Hey, Paul, how you doing? Doing all right? What's your name? Adam. Adam and Paul. Paul meet Adam. Adam meet Paul. Hey, man, you're blind. You're not supposed to be able to shake hands. So, so listen, you, you're blind. You're going to have to follow me around, all right? You're blind. You can't see. Go ahead and close your eyes. All right, close your eyes. See, the only thing that I can think of, I don't know how two blind dudes followed Jesus around, but he followed, they followed them around, I'm assuming, because of they could hear his voice. Y'all going to follow me? Okay. So I, I don't know how. Listen, I, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna be, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lead you away. No, no, you can't grab me. You got, just, just follow along. You, listen, you just put your head down. I don't want y'all to fall now. So, so, so keep on following me. So I did some research. Tanya, I, I don't know how two blind dudes in the darkness can follow Jesus other than by hearing his voice. And I began to do some research on this Greek word follow. And what I found about the Greek word follow was that it meant be so intent, so determined to catch the thing that you are following. Hold on a second. I need you to follow me. Come on, guys. Come on. Follow me. Follow me. Come on. Follow me. So the Holy Spirit dropped something in my lap. Evidently, I don't know why these guys followed along. Come on. Y'all can just follow me. Just keep your heads down. I don't want y'all to fall. No lawsuits now. Praise the Lord. But they're following this word that they've heard. They've, they're following this word, this rhema word that God put in their spirits. Come on, come on, come on, come on. The, 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 you, he said, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, come on, come on. They're following this word, all right? Come on, come on, Adam. They're following this word. They're following this word. Why? Because they've received a rhema word from God, and they're not going to let go of the word that they have received. I know that they cannot see, but they can hear. But then you have the Pharisees who are running away from the very word that they've heard because of what they see. What I am trying to say to you is that some of you are running from the very thing that God has called you to. Some of you are running from the very thing that God has already given you victory over. Some of you are are running from the very thing that the cross has already taken care of in your life. And what I am challenging you to do today is chase after the right word, the word of God, to get up and run after his word, his voice, because the blind dudes could hear him. The blind dudes had heard about this Jesus. The blind dudes had heard him preach. And now they wanted to receive their sight based upon what they've heard. Now, continue to hang out with me, guys. Come on. So, so... Do you know how the enemy, do you know how the enemy, do you know how the enemy will defeat you? Let me, let me tell you how. The enemy will defeat you by convincing you that what you are doing is not worthwhile because the results that you are seeing seem to be insignificant. Grab hold of that. He will convince you. Jesse, that what you are doing is not worthwhile because the results that you are seeing seem to be insignificant. Can you imagine how insignificant what these blind dudes were doing seemed to be to them as they're walking and struggling and stumbling through the darkness and they're crying out to a Jesus that does not seem to hear them? Son of David, have mercy on me. 
I thought, how could I illustrate this? I want you to stay right here, guys. How could I illustrate this? I'm going to bring you in on the inside of something. Stay right there. Don't follow me. I'm going to bring you in on the inside of something. Yes, keep your eyes closed. You're blind. This is my journal, which is um, the place that the messages are carved out. So God will give me a word, and I'll write that word down in this journal. And in so doing, I'll carve that message out. I'll keep working on that word that he's placed within my spirit. And to be honest with you, it, it, it doesn't look like, like, like much. Paul, you're blind, but lift your hand up. All right, hold that right there. It doesn't look like much. You see what I'm saying? When you look at it, it, it doesn't. Well, you're blind. Hang on a second. Stand up to me. Hold it. It doesn't look like much when you, when you look at it. Oh, thank you. I mean, it, it, it's just, it's a bunch of scribble on, on pages with highlighted stuff. Thank you. Oh, that won't work. I got to talk with that. Bunch of, I mean, a bunch of post-it notes like this sermon right here is um, what you're going to, what you're going to do with it. All right, this sermon right here is the rhythm of love. Everybody say the rhythm of love. All right, this sermon right here is uh, complete the chain. Keep talking about it. This sermon right here was a part of your turn. On point. Everybody say on point. Man, it don't look like much, does it? No, I mean, it's just a bunch of scribble, a lot of post-it notes, a bunch of stuff. I mean, just, just stuff that only I understand. And when I'm looking at this, you know, there, there's love handles that kind of love. Um, sometimes there's several titles here, and I'm trying to figure out which one to go with, you know, when I'm writing this, when God places something in my spirit. There's the number 87, which was very significant to a sermon. If you were here, no expiration date. Oh, I was going to call that a river runs through it, but I thought that had a negative connotation. Um, the turnaround, Mary and Martha, um, you did not do it on your own. Look at all those post-it notes, man. Those are just things like whenever I'm working a message, God drops something else in my spirit. And sometimes there's like a bunch of post-it notes. You see that? There's a bunch of them there. In it. Those are like change orders. That's what I call it. You know what I'm saying? Um, make, make some noise. Everybody say, make some noise. That was with that, can these bones live? Don't you stop? State of mind. I mean, it's a bunch of stuff. Your help is on the way. Everybody say, your help is on the way. Connecting moments, that was last week. Chase the right word. That's this week, man. It looks like a mess. Hold on a second. It looks like a mess. Right, right. It just doesn't look like much. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I don't know if this camera right here. It doesn't look like much. There you go. So I'm going to show you. Okay. For those people at home, it doesn't look like much. Can I tell you something? Sometimes I'm working in this journal, which doesn't look like much. It looks like a mess. But... I begin to think, hold on, that's how our faith looks at times. <laughs> because it doesn't look like much. It looks like a mess. But then out of it, the more that you work that rhema word, the more that mess turns into a message. Oh, Lord, have mercy. And then all of a sudden, there, there, there is this thing that happens. Listen, you, you need to understand something. You must live by not what you see, but rather what you have heard. The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence not seen. The Bible says that our faith is built through by hearing, and hearing is through his word. So you had these two blind dudes who were crying out, 
the, the Greek word for crying out is the word kradso. Everybody say kradso. Kradso, it carries with it great depth. Kradso means to shout or to scream. I'm on this side now, guys. It means to shout or to scream or to yell or to make noise so that whatever you are following or chasing after knows that you are there. Everybody shout. Some of you are like, well, what's he want me to shout? Everybody just shout the word shout. So it means to shout. It means to yell. It means to scream. Son of David, have mercy on me. It means to yell, to scream, to shout until you get the attention of the one that you are chasing after because you are determined to catch him. Then, hold on a second, it, it, it hit me. Because this miracle has intrigued me. Why is it that, that Jesus did not de- heal them when he first noticed them? Because evidently he had noticed them before because Matthew had noticed them. Matthew's recording that they're walking along after Jesus and they keep shouting, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Matthew's seeing this. You know that Jesus is seeing and hearing this. Why didn't he stop and heal them immediately? Then the Holy Spirit dropped this in my lap. The reason why is because he was teaching them a lesson and he was teaching the Pharisees a lesson. He was teaching Matthew a lesson. He was teaching us a lesson. And the lesson that he was teaching us is which word are you going to chase after? Because you can chase after a word that someone else has placed upon you or are you going to chase after the infallible, inerrant word of God regardless of what you see? Are you going to chase after that word? The word that became flesh and dwelt among us even when you feel like quitting are you going to chase after that word even when you don't know how to get to where you're going but you're feeling your way based upon the word that you've received are you going to chase after that word are you going to shout scream are you going to kick and call and keep going where God has called you to go somebody in this place ought to get up on your feet begin to praise God because the word that he's placed in your spirit will enable you to overcome what is coming over you good Lord have mercy cried so it's crab so it's crab so I'm going to shout because I know that my victory is on the way according to your faith let it be done thanks to the blind Jesus y'all can sit down not y'all hold on a second and then it says their faith was restored It's sad to me that the Pharisees missed out on so much. But those who were interested in hearing the word of God received so much. But can I show you something? I've got to show you something. I don't even know if I told you upstairs this. I wish I had more time to expound upon this, but I don't. But in verse 35 through 37, here's what it says. It says, Jesus went through all of the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had great compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. But then he says this. 
keep in mind the context of the story. You have this group of Pharisees who can see everything, but are ignoring the greatest thing. You have a, 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 a group of blind dudes who can't see anything, but are living by hearing the only thing that matters. But watch what he says in verse 37. He said, then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. This narrative of scripture ends with that verse, Larry. Do you know what Jesus is teaching us? He's just walked us through. He has just walked us through this, this chapter where he's talking about, I came to minister to those who were in need. And he's trying to show Matthew and he's trying to show the Pharisees that you have a, a responsibility to have these divine connecting moments. But then he ends it by saying, but you know what? The harvest is there. There's plenty of work. But very few make the connecting flight. Chasing the right word. 